Our Father in heaven, we do bow our heads before you, Lord, knowing that we are just dust and that you've given us consciousness temporarily. Actually, you meant for it to be eternal, but uh, we've kind of rebelled. And through Christ, thank you, Lord, we have the opportunity to be restored. And we know that it's through your word, written and living, that we will find our way. Because you will not force us, but you will call us and provide a way. And if we make that choice, then we will be restored. And so today we look into your word. We thank you for the day you've given us, a holy day, to set aside and look into your word and to share with you, to fellowship with you. And we invite now for your Holy Spirit to be here with us present, giving us his message. And we thank you for this time and for this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, the, uh, the scripture verse that I chose today is good for all purposes, okay? 6,000 plus years we have been fighting a battle, and it's going to culminate one day. We know that. We know that all throughout history, mankind has tried to fix the world and make it a better place, throwing money at this and laws at that, and we've seen the mess that it's become. Now... God's plan will be instituted, and there will be a king of kings who will rule. In the meantime, though, in this battle, here's what 2 Timothy 4, 7 says. Paul says, I have fought a good fight. We are fighting that same fight, aren't we? Hopefully we're fighting a good fight. Now, many people, before they get their lives back to where they were, made in the image of God, holy and sinless, before we get back to that, we don't make it. We go to rest. But listen to this. I have fought a good fight. He didn't say I won the battle. He said I fought a good fight. I have finished my course, meaning I'm going to rest now. I have kept the faith. Why did he say that? That's critical. I have kept the faith. The Bible, God's word, says it is impossible to please God without faith. Faith is believing in what you can't prove, see, feel, touch, smell, taste, or prove. Okay? So it's impossible to please God without faith. And he says, I have kept the faith. Faith in what? He goes on and says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them also that love his appearing. So in his time, Jesus appeared. The promise appeared, and the promise taught, and it was established in writing who he was, what he represented, and what his calling in our lives was. And then the enemy sought to destroy him, which played right into Jesus' hands in a way because he showed he had power over death. He took dust and made us. We go back to dust and he can make us again. He has power over life and death and proved it right there. Now what Paul is saying is, all them that love his appearing. So Paul's over here preaching to people who weren't there to see this event. But many of the disciples did see this and they're out telling it. Those people who are hearing it, which is us, have to take it on faith. And that's what God loves about faith. If you have proof, you're scared. You feel like I have to do this because it's real. But if you're not sure, 
and you're loyal anyway, that's love. That's loyalty. That's trustworthiness. You can go into the new earth where the righteous will dwell and be trusted not to mess it up again because you chose through faith. This is a beautiful thing. Faith is like love. Now, talking about the final movements being rapid ones is kind of important because we are told to watch. No man knows the day nor the hour, but we're told to watch. And so if you're looking at prophecy and you're looking at current events and somebody says you're a doom and gloomer, um, you can rephrase all of these things. But the fact is, somebody will be watching. And the question then is, what are we watching for? We're watching for his next appearing. And there are things given to us in Daniel that foretell the future. All the things that must transpire and culminate before his return. But in Revelation, mixed with Daniel, you get the full picture. It's like a puzzle chopped into pieces. Daniel is part of those pieces, and Revelation is the remainder of those pieces. And when you put the two together, you get the whole picture. That's what the Adventist church has that others don't have, is the full picture. And revelation means a revealing. And when that book was opened, we were to understand, for the first time, many things more than we ever had. And this is the generation that needs to be watching. All right, as we move on, I'm going to quote the spirit of prophecy here and share with you these words. The restraining spirit of God is being withdrawn from the world, is being in her time. She says that spirit is already beginning to be withdrawn. 1844, the 2300-year prophecy ended. It was fulfilled. That started the end of time. That was the time of the end. We're in that segment of time now. There's six seals and, and six trumpets and all seven seals, seven trumpets, all of this. And we're, all of these are culminating now. Now, in this time, when she says the Spirit of God is being withdrawn, what happened in that time? For the first time in history, the whole world was more populated than ever before, and there was a World War I. And not very long after that, followed by a World War II. These were times of the withdrawing of the Spirit beginning to get the attention of people on a large scale, on a global scale. So she was correct, but now she gets a little more detailed. The spirit of prophecy says hurricanes, storms, tempest, fire and flood, disaster by sea, disaster by land, follow each other in quick succession, and there is the key. We've always had these things, always will have these things. Sometimes you have more, sometimes you have less. It can be argued from day to day, year to year. Well, we had three tornadoes last year and ten this year and one next year. Who cares? The point was they will follow each other in quick succession. And when we see these things building and speeding up, the last movements will be rapid ones. Then we can say, okay, we're near that time. We don't know the day nor the hour, but we know the season. So by watching, we begin to see these things. Let me give you an example. At my age, I have lived long enough to know from news and records that are available today, you can access the records, that we have always had tornadoes. There were times when we've had bad years where there was 120 tornadoes. Well, today, we have as many as 140 in one storm. 
It's on record. Now, this doesn't say that, you know, we're living in the end time. It's just what we're watching for to understand. This is just one spoke in the wheel, just a facet. We need to look at the whole picture. And that's when we begin to get uh, sort of uh, interested in what's happening. It talks about a third of the trees will be burned and then all the trees will be burned. Well, we know that we've logged a lot of them and there's a lot of burning going on. We know that in the Brazilian rainforest, which are the lungs of the earth, which affects our atmosphere, that they're burning acreage to plant grass to grow a cow for three years. After that, it turns to sand and is useless. So they have to burn some more land to have three more years of cows. And uh, this generates income, of course, but this is what's happening on a large scale. And when I was a firefighter, in high school living here, I would go to Howard Forest in Willits, the headquarters for the state forestries, Mendocino County, and um, I worked there several summers. And in doing so, I got interested in forest fires and lightning strikes and how many trees burn a year. And back then, we used to lose a million acres of trees in the United States. Million and a half was a big year. That was a bad loss. That's a lot of good trees, a lot of oxygen makers, okay? Then it got to be two million, then three million, then four million, then five million, then six million a year, then seven million a year. Today, I don't even know. I gave up. I'm through. I know what's happening. I don't have to chase that. But if you look at the news today, I think you'll find there's a lot of fire going on right now. And you know what's interesting about that isn't that we're having maybe seven or eight million trees or nine. What's interesting about that is fire season started earlier and earlier and earlier. Fire season is in June now. That's a little scary. So things are still expanding. Now, let's take this just a step further here. As we continue to watch, as we're told to, I took physical education, uh, well, let's see, it was um, physical science in college was my major, and I really enjoyed it. And I learned things like storms, what takes place inside the clouds during a storm, that sort of thing. And we're told that there will be hailstones the size of a talent, whatever, that's about 75 pounds. It depends on what languages you're using, etc. 75 pound hailstone. Um, I'm not worried about that. We're going to have trouble way before that. But the point is this. We remember occasionally uh, quarter size hailstones in Minnesota, Nancy and I, denting our cars. This happened rarely, occasionally, once in a lifetime, maybe twice if you were unlucky or un unblessed. And uh, and then you noticed over the years, pretty soon these hailstones were getting bigger, and then they were starting to smash windows in cars, and occasionally some windows in buildings. And uh, just for your information, um, this year alone, twice in Texas, they've had hail large enough that you can take those terracotta tile roofs that they use so they won't catch fire, you know, those big, thick terracotta tile, shattered. I don't know if you saw the pictures in the news this year. Twice that's just shattered those roofs. We're talking about just smaller, just a little smaller than baseballs. But twice I have read in the news, and I remember only the one that was in China, they actually had a short spurt of hailstones the size of basketballs. And so the question is, okay, um, didn't used to have that, now we're having that, so is that a sign? Is that a spoke in the wheel? Um, the spoke in the wheel is, is the cause of it. The cause of it is 
if you understand how a hailstone is made, when you have a warm, wet front coming in and it hits a cold front, you have activity. That's when you get your tornadoes and all this updraft and everything. And what happens is the warm air, which is moist, goes up rapidly. And as it rises, the moisture in that warm air touches a little piece of dust or something else and coagulates. You get two or three little uh, particles of moisture on that piece of dust, and pretty soon it's getting bigger and bigger, and it's going up now. And with the temperature of the warm air going up, it tends to start cooling. Okay, and so it gets up there a certain distance, and you've got a hailstone about so big, and then it gets heavy and falls. Now, if you happen to have a really hot mass of air, it'll go higher, and that hailstone will get bigger before it's too heavy and falls. Now, <laughs> if you want to, we'll get into it a little more, but if you suggest the possibility of global warming, um, then you're going to have a lot hotter air that's going to go a lot higher and create a lot bigger hailstones a lot more often. That's what matters. Okay, The generator of that is more important than the fact that you have a big one or a little one because you know what that's going to produce and how often. So, yes, we're finding these things as spokes in the wheel for the end times that we're supposed to be watching that are not a guarantee that this is the end of time or anything like that. These are facets that have to be put together in a package based on the Word of God and His prophecies and the fact that they're beginning to reveal themselves, recognizing the end time, the last days, and what's going to be a speeding up, rapid movements in the last days. Take, for example, things like floods. I'm just going to skim on this one. I think we can all think about when we were kids, where the floods were, um, along that river through uh, Healdsburg. What's it called down there? Rio Linda? What's the name of that river? Yeah, the Russian River. We used to canoe in it and stuff, and they'd flood every so often, the little houses on the sides and stuff. But now it's way outside of that. It's all over the United States. Several states will flood in the mid in the mid area, um, and and what's happening is it's new places, and it's more often, okay, and that's a result of the temperatures changing. Now, when she talks about when the statement was made about disasters by land and by sea, we know that more lives are lost on the highways today than in the Korean War in one year, and. Uh, it is because there are more cars. The same thing with trains. You have a lot more train wrecks. You have a lot more trains. You're going to have more train wrecks. So that doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just something that has to happen. But it's happening at the same time as everything else. It's another spoke. Now, when you talk about earthquakes in diverse places, for example, pastors will talk about that all the time. But I want to add something more today that you may or may not have heard. When you look at earthquakes, you can say, okay, in a year's time or 10 years' time, you have this many earthquakes. Now we're having more and more and maybe more. And maybe they were this many big ones. And now there's this many big ones. And so maybe we're having more and maybe they're bigger. You know what? That isn't what Jesus was talking about. When the Word of God spoke, it said there will be earthquakes in what? What? Diverse places. Pay attention. He didn't say you'll have bigger ones or more of them or that much. It does in one place in the scriptures, but it, it says in diverse places. So now if I'm watching and I'm basing it on the word of God's direction in, in his prophecies, I'm watching for diverse places. 
for thousands of years they had earthquakes on this planet. None of that mattered, except for one big one back in the 1700s, right? Okay, that was a marker. But when we're looking at earthquakes, we need to be looking, what did he mean by diverse places? Why did he use the word diverse? Well, first of all, we can't know earthquakes all over the world at the same time without increase in communication. We've got to quit going across the ocean in a sailing ship that takes months and riding the camel across the desert. We have to have some wires. We have to have some electricity. And we were told the end time knowledge will be increased. There's another spoke in the wheel. And now we have this communication. And now we have Richter scales all over the planet. Is that diverse? We can know instantly on this whole planet whether it's big or whether it's little or whether there's more or whether there's less, and none of that matters. What matters is we can check diversely instantly. That is what he was talking about. Now check this for diversity. Forget what year we went to the moon. But they put a Richter scale. They put 69? Thank you. <laughs> it's good to have teachers around. In 69, we put a Richter scale on the moon. Is that diverse? Knowledge will be increased. We knew how to get there. Is that another spoke in the wheel? Okay, so diverse is the key on that one, all right? And with these thoughts in mind, it is fun to watch the Word of God and to follow it and to see as He reveals more and more to us. Of course, we have ships running aground, you know, problems in the sea. We have ships running aground. We're hitting bridges all the time. There's oil leaks out in the Gulf of Mexico or other places. Ferries are tipping over all the time. And, and these, are, these are disasters, too, when you have whales and dol dolphins washing up on the beaches dead. And there's a reason for that. And it has to do with the temperature of the earth and a few other things. Um, let me give you an example. Well, let's use this one. There's several big ones, but this is a little one, all right? When we fertilize the crops with artificial fertilizer, chemical fertilizers, it goes into the groundwater, it goes into the rivers, it goes down the rivers into the Gulf of Mexico and becomes nitrates and other things in that water. The fish in the rivers are dying. They're washing up on the edges of the rivers all over the planet. I don't know if you know that. Um, you can Google it or whatever. It goes down those rivers into the Gulf of Mexico, and there was for a time a 50-mile radius around the Gulf of Mexico that you could not fish because the fish were poisonous. All right? That has been increased to 100 miles, and it's growing. And this is a disaster in the sea. And as the Spirit of Prophecy says, the signs thickening around us, telling of the near approach of the Son of God, are attributed to any other than the true cause. So have you heard people say, we have global warming? And others say, oh no, we don't. It's attributed to any other thing to get us away from our connection with God and the knowledge of what's taking place and will shortly come to pass. And that's a spiritual war, isn't it? Science seeks to explain all these things. When we talk about global warming, they say yes and they say no. And here's one for you. They'll say, well, guess what? Last winter was colder than any other winter. Did you know that that is necessary in order to have global warming? 
It's a requirement. And it's very simply explained in that if you take the globe and you put the sun on the equator, half the time it's above, half the time it's below, okay? When the sun is in our hemisphere, the northern, and it's up here beaming down directly on us, 90 degree angle, boom, right on us, the heat comes in and the pollution reflects it back and forth extra times, heating up our northern hemisphere. That's global warming from pollution. Now, when it goes south of the equator, and we know that much of those heat rays hit our atmosphere and skip off, that's what makes it colder. Now, we have that pollution in the air, and more of it skips off, leaving us colder. Okay? So our hots are hotter and our colds are colder. But one thing you will notice is that you will warm up sooner and it will last longer. Okay, so our seasons are changing and the animals and the birds and things are having difficulty with this. One, one of the things that uh, people don't realize is, for example, when you have birds that are instinctively taught to go to certain islands to have their eggs and, and whatever you call little birds. When they go there, that sounds good to me, babies. When they go there, there is a very short season that on that island, the grass sprouts short, blossoms, does what it does, their seeds, etc., that type of thing. Very short time. When these birds go there, that's already over with. And they're strung, they're strung out. They, they, they've mistimed things. So the timing is throwing things off, and some of these creatures are harmed by that timing. Now, maybe you heard this somewhere in the news this year. Uh, we keep records for a lot of things. This was the first year that we've ever had four hurricanes before July 1st. There will be increases. Um, some years, other years, no. But keep your watch. Keep your watch. Fire seasons are earlier and more things are, are burning. Watch this one now. In 1980s, in the 1980s, was anyone watching the record-breaking temperatures or anything in the 1980s, any of you, for any reason? Well, I was because I like physical science and because I've read prophecy and I know that the sun will scorch the earth and men will blaspheme God because of the heat. I believe God. I don't know when it's going to be. But it could be in my time. So I'm going to watch. And here's what I discovered. And you can too. In the 1980s, we had the hottest year on record. And I was a little bit excited. Then we had another hotter year than that one. And then another year that was hotter, three. Then a fourth year that was hotter than those. And a fifth year that was hotter than those. And a sixth year that was hotter than those. And that turned the 80s into the hottest decade on record. And I said, whoa. Could this be something? Ah, you don't know. You can't say anything. You can't stand up in front of people and preach about that, that it's the end of the year, you know, world or anything. It's not right. We're supposed to watch. But you know what I found out when I watched? I found out that the 1990s had record-breaking high temperatures globally that broke the 80s. And in the 2000 aughts, 2000 to 2010, they had record-breaking temperatures globally that broke the 90s. 
Now we're talking three decades. Now it's time to start wondering and keeping track and paying attention because we might have to talk about it. And now in the teens, the 2000 teens, what is this, 2012? So it'll be 2011, 2012, we've already started out breaking last decade's records already. Now what a lot of people don't know is that the hot records in the daytime are nothing. It's the nighttime temperatures that are scaring the scientists. We are told that if the temperatures go up one degree or two degrees, you're going to have three feet of water in the oceans that wasn't there before, and islands are going to flee away and all this stuff. But what they're not mentioning very much is that at night, the temperatures globally at night have already exceeded three degrees. And that makes a big difference in the melting of water, too, of ice, too. And so we need to be watching everything. Now, well, let's just move along here just a little bit. I get kind of uh, excited about the fact that this is a huge picture. This is not a one-item deal. We're looking at the whole planet for many decades and looking for all the spokes in the wheel. The Word goes on and says... When God shall bid his angels loose the winds, it's going to happen. When? Our generation? Watch. When God shall bid his angels loose the wind, there shall be such a scene of strife as no pen can picture. The key thing there is, she said, after 1844, it was already beginning. World War I, World War II, all these things are beginning. Knowledge has been increasing. Diverse places, even the moon. All these things are starting to happen. The sun will scorch the earth. This is already appearing that everything is happening. If you have all the spokes in the wheel, if there's a couple missing, you have to wait. But if all the spokes are there simultaneously, this is a sign of something that we've been told. The days in which we live are solemn and important. Now, if we are that generation, let me, let me share this with you. Man was created in the image of God, holy and sinless like the angels. That was the intention. The purpose was for us to be his friends for eternity in happiness. That was the plan. And God is not going to lose. He will fulfill his plan. There will be a new heaven and a new earth and there will be righteous dwelling there. Will we be there? That's the key. Now, with that in mind, when she says the days in which we live are solemn and important, we're trying to move back in that direction. Let me share something very important. If somebody comes into the church, they're a terrible sinner, they get baptized, they believe they have faith that we can be made holy, that we can be sanctified, that we can be restored through the process that God gave us. If they believe that, and let's say they have five sins in their lives, and let's say the Holy Spirit, who has the job of convicting you of one of your sins, he convicts that person of a sin, and that person says, you know what, I just realized something. That's a sin. I shouldn't be doing that. And so they pray for help of the Lord, and they try to get that sin out of their life because now they're hating it, because it's destructive to them and offends God. And they overcome that sin. And I think all of us have overcome at least one sin in our lives. And that proves it can be done. 
then that person is in the process of being sanctified. Should they die that day with four other sins in their life, they're saved. Why? Why? Because God judges the heart. And if that heart had lived on, it would have continued to be sanctified. And God knows that heart belongs to him in that kingdom. So if you have relatives who've passed away, imperfect, hallelujah, let God be the judge. All right? You know that thief on the cross? That fellow was such a bad thief that he got the death penalty. Did he get down from that cross and get baptized? Did he get down from that cross and go to church? Did he pay his tithe? He was a thief. I don't think so. That's right. And he wasn't the only one. There was another guy stealing too. He didn't do out, come out so well. All right. So Jesus said, you'll be in paradise with me. What happened? Heart. His heart changed. How did Jesus know that? What? He knows. Because the man said something. What did he say? He said, Lord. He heard about this Messiah guy running around healing the blind and stuff. But on that cross, he watched Jesus. He watched the nails go through his hand without one squeak, not one word. That was a gift. He wasn't, boy, I tell you, I get on a bandwagon. Let me, let me tell you something. The wages of sin is death. Did Jesus sin? Did Jesus have to die? No. He didn't sin. He didn't have to die. But he chose to die, didn't he? That makes it a gift, doesn't it? And so his death doesn't apply to his sins because he didn't have any, right? So then does he have the right to take his death and apply it to whomever he pleases? That's how he can stand before the Father and say, My blood. This is my person. And the Lord says, So be it. Isn't that beautiful? And that man on that cross said, I think he is the Lord. And so he said, I want to be there with you. Lord, remember me. And Jesus heard Lord and he said, I see your heart. You'll be there. So don't worry about your relatives and others, honestly, because you don't know what was going on between them and God in their silence. It's beautiful. Anyway, enough of that now. We're told uh, the days in which we live are solemn and important. Now, if we are that close to the, to the end of time, um, then it is solemn and important. The Spirit of God is gradually but surely being withdrawn from the earth. Plagues and judgments are already falling upon the despisers of God's grace. The calamities by sea and by land, the unsettled state of society which it's always been, but now it's pretty, pretty obvious too. The alarms of war, uh, wars and rumors of wars, you've seen all the leaders of Arab nations falling like, you know, dominoes, are threatening. The, they forecast approaching events of the greatest magnitude. These things, these spokes in the wheel, are only important to us because they forecast the approaching events of the greatest magnitude in the history of the world. We're about to go through something no generation before us has ever experienced. And let me tell you, when I thought about it, 
I said, Lord, are you telling me that what we're going to go through is worse than being burned at the stake or thrown to the lions? Wow. But there is going to be an experience that gives us a special place. It says, they forecast approaching events of the greatest magnitude. The agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. Back then they were. What are they doing today? Do you see or hear anything that suggests that agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating their forces? They are strengthening for the last great crisis. The last crisis. There was a time in the Bible, in history, where there was a battle on the plains of Dura. You remember that? It was an effort to make every knee bow to the bad guy, right? And if you didn't, death decree, death penalty. He failed. He failed. God had some good people willing to take the fire, take the heat. That battle between Christ and Satan for our souls is not finished. Great changes are soon to take place in our world, and the final movements will be rapid ones. I'm going to touch on something very delicate, and I ask you to please listen carefully, not to miss anything. Don't start drifting off in your thoughts and miss what I'm going to say. In history, this has happened before, and it has brought the judgments of God down on this earth in certain countries and certain cities. Okay? It's happening again. And this, these particular events are critical as a spoke in the wheel to show the nearness of judgment to hit this planet for the final time. And, and here's some of the areas where we see the spokes. Ready? Same-sex marriages made lawful. Now hold with me a minute. In seven states and many other countries... Human beings are legislating, making it lawful that this is acceptable, which means that children will grow up thinking this is normal when it isn't. Okay? Now, I know that many of us have relatives, loved ones, and even some of us may have that orientation. Don't walk out yet. Listen to me. What do we do with this? The first thing we have to do is understand that... It has always been a critical moment in the history of life and brings end to life. Now watch. Ordaining practicing homosexuals as high as bishops in God's house, churches. In Leviticus 18.22, the word of God, this is where we get our principles to live by, our understanding. Bear with me now and let's see some understanding here. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. So, homosexuality is an abomination to God because he made a certain way and it was perfect and right and holy and he wants to keep it that way and we've deviated. And he says, I don't accept it. That makes it an abomination. Now, we all know that, but let's move on. Abortion is made lawful. Leviticus 18.21 And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire of Molech. That's a false god. And in those days, people would offer their children to be sacrificed to the false god and killed. 
And Satan relished that because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we were playing into his hands for whatever reasons. It might have been because you really thought it was a god, or it might have been because you had too many children you were tired of it. Whatever the purposes were, the fact is, it's unacceptable to God. Now, the Church of Scientology, uh, Scientology, movie stars, TV stars, are teaching today that there is more than one way to be saved. There has to be more than one way to be saved. That's their teaching, and they're saying it on the air. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God and one mediator between man and God, and it is the Christ Jesus, because he's the only one that died for your sins. He's the only one that died for our sins that had no sin. Catholic Church is teaching today, Mary is co-redemptive. She can forgive your sins. I'm sorry, she can't forgive my sins because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God except Jesus. She died for her own sins. Okay? And through Christ, she can find salvation. Now, that being said, let me go back to this thing about what I just mentioned. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't brought it to culmination yet about homosexuality and about abortion. But please... Stick with me. If you do not accept these things today, there's a thing called a hate crime. Have you heard of the hate crime? Okay. If I have an abortion and you get mad at me and talk bad about me, that means you hate me and therefore you can be, I don't know what the penalties are. What's that? Yeah, held accountable in jail or fine or both or whatever. Okay. Now this hate crime, hate crime is one of Satan's way of shutting us up so he can spread his laws. Okay? Now, the plains of Dura, Satan through Nebuchadnezzar said, fall down and worship the gold image or be cast into the fiery furnace. And say, why did Satan want this? Listen to the Bible. Romans 14, 11, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. That means he rules. And Satan wants to be as the Most High. He wants to rule. And so he says, you know what? I'll get every need about of me. And then I have proven that I'm as equal to you or I can be God. So this battle is between Christ and Satan for our souls. And the way we know whose soul is going which way is whether we bow or don't bow. And Satan, unlike God who says, come my way. Here's the Bible. Follow it. I will not force you. I will not twist your arm. You have to come because you love me. Satan's over here saying, I'll get you any way I can, and I can cheat. This makes it a little hard, doesn't it? Makes it hard for God and hard for us. But every knee shall bow, and that's what the battle's about. Now, he failed on the plains of Dura. He is going to try one last time. He goes around as a roaring lion, knowing his time is short. He has one last chance to get humanity to bow the knee to him. And that is why, that is why, in these last days when knowledge is being increased and everything can be used for good or evil, Satan is in need of the high-tech society. He is in need of it. And he is designing it in a manner that's going to help him have the victory. And we need to be careful that we don't play into it. Okay?
Let's look at it from Satan's point of view. Here comes the internet. Here comes telephones that do things. All right. So Satan is over here with his cohorts, a third of the fallen angels, and he says, all right, let's set this up so we can snoop. The phone on the wire has to have a wiretap. I mean, has to have a, a judge's permission. This is a new deal. That law does not apply to the wireless system, so we can snoop every which way we want to. And, of course, judges and everybody like that idea. Everybody that's on the do-gooder side, arrest people, put them in jail, wants to be able to do a better job. So they're all in favor of the snoop business. Okay, so we've got snoop and control going on here. And guess what? We provide the information. I don't know a lot about this, but, but some of you do. And if you don't, we can find out. The fact is, uh, when you talk about things like Facebook and other things like that, where everybody talks about what they're doing in their life, bragging or just sharing this information is being stored at central stations between us and them the people that record that you had a phone call at a certain time of the day and all this stuff and sends it to your phone have that stored that's how they can send it to you all right so everything is being stored now Imagine that you're Satan, excuse me if I do that, imagine that you're Satan and you want every knee that won't bow, death decree, dead. You want every knee that won't bow eliminated so that when you say bow, they all happily bow. Okay? The first thing you have to know is who are those people that won't bow? Where are they? Who are they? On some of these Facebook things, I was shocked when I found out that they're asking you, to tell not only your parents and brothers and sisters' names and all this fun stuff, but they even want their nicknames. They want your pet's name. They want everything that will cross-reference to identify you as the one they're looking for. Okay? Even the pet names. They even want to know where you go vacationing, where you camp out. Because if you run for the hills, they'll know where you're going. You're going to go where things are familiar. You're going to go where you know where the water is and where the caves are and things that are fun to hide out in. And they want to know all this. It's all being collected. And did you know that the most present thing they've got now is a thing called the cloud? Have you heard about the cloud? If you have, please raise your hand. The cloud. What they're doing is they're saying, you all have computers. You all have laptops. You all have this little thing down here called a hard drive storing all your goodies. We want to know what you're storing. We can access it through the back door. And we can keep track of every keystroke that you touch. We do that. But what we want is a permanent record so we don't have to access all these computers. So what we're offering you is free, a gigantic hard drive in the sky called a cloud. You don't need to know where it is. You don't need to know who's keeping it there. All you need to do is have free hard drive unlimited. How many of those little things you have in your pocket that you plug in called a thumb drive or a whatever you want to call it? You pack them around. Forget that. Just put everything in the cloud, and wherever you go, bingo, you can access it. It's right there. And guess who's got it? We wrestle not against each other. It's not the state. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. It is the one who wants every knee to bow that wants that information available to him and his cohorts. And when the hammer drops, he'll know each one thoroughly, even your dog's pet name, Last movements will be rapid ones. This is history. Where, where are their minds now? What are they developing now? 
because they're ahead of us. Do you remember recently they had a buy, buy the old cars back clunker thing? And did they say that we want to get the economy going, so all you people that would like a new car, we're going to give you 2000 or $4,000 for your old clunker, and you go out and buy a new car and stimulate the economy. looks good, doesn't it? What was the real reason? Think like Satan now. Think like Satan. Okay, okay. Do you have serious radio in your new car where one channel, your favorite channel, you can travel all over the United States and never lose that channel? That's a nice thing. It's called serious radio. That is computer systems in satellites that follow your car everywhere you go, day and night, 24 hours a day. And guess what? When you put, I call her Jane, that little thing that you put up on the window that tells you you're going the right direction. Okay, Jane tells me what the speed limit is. That thing in the sky knows every road in this nation's speed limit. Okay, so she tells me my speed limit, and then she tells me how fast I'm going. Right? Okay, so if I, in my car, can see the speed limit and know how fast I'm going, do you think that information isn't in somebody else's hands to deliver to me? The day will come when they can send you a ticket in the mail because you were in Arizona going too fast. And they'll tell you the day, the time, and the actual mile marker on the highway. It's here. This is history. And so what's the clunker deal? The clunker deal was, Satan says, let's get all the clunkers off the road. And they'll buy these new satellite trackable cars and we'll have a little bit more of a chokehold. And one of the verifiers that that was true is this. Did they say, let's stimulate the economy, we'll buy up all the clunkers and give you some money, you go out and buy new cars, put down payments, and we'll get everybody back to work? Or did they say, we'll take these used cars and sell them to the poor people so that they'll have cars, and we'll make some money and put it in the treasury? No. What did they say? They said they have to be crushed and destroyed because they can't be tracked. That's exactly why they crushed them and destroyed them. So... We're talking about spokes in the wheel. We're talking about last day events. We're talking about there'll be rapid movements. And we're talking about things like, thank God, we have Ted Wilson as our leader now. Because when Ted Wilson came into this church, one of the first things he did was come to 3ABN, and he got on the air, and he said, there'll be no more of this division in the church. We are all unified. The work will be finished by the lay people. We need the help. It's a big world. And so what I used to say was when God wanted to utilize high-tech television evangelism, I've knocked on doors. You have too. You knock on the door and somebody's walking to it. <laughs> he remembers this. Knock on the door with a little book for it or whatever. Lady is coming to the door and she's cursing. Who in the world are going to knock on my door this time of the day when I'm watching my favorite program? You know, the soap opera. And I thought, oh, man, don't, don't open the door. I don't want to deal with this, you know. All right, so she opens the door, and you be nice, and you hand her a little book, and she's very nice, and she thanks you and slams the door. And I'm thinking, we're going to get the whole world this way? It's going to be a while because they're being born faster than, than we're dying. Whatever. So anyway, um, all of a sudden, you're in their living room, on their TV set, they're in control, they're pressing that button, going through those channels, and they stop on a cooking show or an exercise show, and it happens to be 3ABN, and they say, hmm, that's a bunch of old people doing exercise. Hmm, I'm kind of old. Maybe I should watch. I'm like, you know, let's learn something. Pretty soon they're hearing some scripture. 
And the Holy Spirit knows how to touch their conscience. And it's all done in their house at their leisure. Nobody's banging on their door. It's receptive. And this is great. And along comes the church says, you know what? This is not a bad thing. We should have some of this too going on. Let's start a channel. We have Hope Channel now, right? And so there are two two camps on that. One says, oh, competition. Now we got to make sure they can't get our programs and we can't get their program, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And over here you have me thinking, you know what? If a shotgun does a good job, doesn't a double barrel do better? That's the way I see it. God knows what he's doing. And, and Ted Wilson comes along and says, we're working together. There's a program. You share it. And I'm thinking, wow, talk about a godsend. And you know what that scares me? Why that scares me? That's another spoke in the wheel. The work will be finished because we work of one mind, one accord, and accomplish great things together. Okay? And I'm living in that day. And I'm watching all these signs, all these spokes. Well, let's take a look at just a little bit more here, and then we'll be done. Every knee will bow. And every knee that won't bow receives what? First, you can't buy or sell. And then, if that doesn't do you, death decree, right? The old oven trick again. But this time, he'll find every one of us. Every one of us. And we'll face the death decree. And it'll be quick. And nobody's going to be lost or missed. Do you think you're going to run out there in the, in the mountains and hide in a cave somewhere? They used to throw the torch in the cave. We know history. Guess what? Now they've got night goggles. They can see you from the helicopters. They can see your heat. I mean, come on. This is, this is going to be, we're talking about different than burning at the stake or thrown to the lions. We're talking about a whole new deal. And in Revelation 13, 15, it says, And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast. And the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he has a system now that nobody's going to slip away. And here's a little more spirit of prophecy. The time is at hand when there will be sorrow in the world that no human balm can heal. The spirit of God is being withdrawn. Disasters by sea, land, follow one another in quick succession. Now you're seeing it faster and faster. Watch the speed of these things. It's an indicator. How frequently we hear of earthquakes and tornadoes of destruction by fire and flood and great loss of life and pro property. Apparently, and here's something beautiful, apparently these calamities are erratic outbreaks of disorganized, unregulated forces in nature, wholly beyond the control of man. This is what science tells you. Don't worry about it. It's just normal. All right? But remember, there's a spiritual war been going on for 6,000 years over your soul, our souls. So what's going on in that perspective? And here it is. But in these occurrences, God's purpose may be read or seen. Watch. God's purposes can be seen. They are among the agencies by which he, God, seeks to arouse men and women to a sense of their danger. Do you have any loved ones that aren't paying attention? Do you have any loved ones that throw your little books in the garbage? Do you have any loved ones that have told you, I don't want to hear this anymore? Don't bug me. I'm busy. i got life to live. You know what? Those are God's creation out of dirt. He gave them the breath of life to be conscious. 
to be his friend for eternity, and he loves them enough to die for them. There is no greater love than a man would lay down his life for a friend. He laid down his life for them. You're worried about them? Don't worry about them right now. Be ready always to give a reason as to why you believe what you believe. Be ready. Have your books in your pocket, whatever. But when you knock on the door and it doesn't open, kick off the dust and move on and find those who will be saved. And when that door opens, then you can do some good. So be patient. That's a hard thing for us to have is patience, especially with the ones we love who seem to be lost. But please remember, all of these terrible, devastating things that are going to happen are because God loves the ones we love who are not listening, and he's going to tap them on the shoulder a little bit hard. And they're going to wake up and they're going to say, this danger is around me. Um, you know what? The ozone layer is causing noisome and grievous sores. This is like a, like a plague in its infancy just beginning. And I'm, I'm worried about this. Okay? You've got problems. And all of a sudden they turn to you and they say, what's this about? You read the Bible, you know about some of this stuff. What can, what's going on? And all of a sudden the door is open for loved ones who are hard to be moved. So don't give up. Be patient. Be ready. And know that God's love is going to bring these problems for the purpose of saving souls. Okay, we're wrapping up now, but watch this. It says, Men in their blindness boast of wonderful progress and enlightenment. You hear it on TV and the movie stars and all this. Great things are happening in science. But the heavenly watchers see the earth filled with corruption and violence. We mentioned some things earlier, abortion, what have you. Filled with violence and corruption. Because of sin, the atmosphere of our world has become the atmosphere of a pest house. So to the holy beings in heaven, they've been watching the earth degrade and degrade and degrade. Satan reverses everything God has holy. Used to buy a pair of Levi's and they were clean. And now you buy them and they're already wore out with grease and holes in them. Used to have music where a guitar was a beautiful thing to listen to when they picked with their fingers. Now they overdrive it and it sounds like trash. Music, clothing, food. Used to be when you picked something in the garden and steamed it or whatever you wanted to do to it, it was fully healthy. Now you go to the store, everything is bleached, everything is refined, everything is, uh, what's in a Twinkie? They have to add vitamins to it. All right, so he's destroyed clothing, he's destroyed music, he's destroyed food, he's destroyed our characters. Everything. But watch what's happening here. They look down and they see the atmosphere in this earth of a pest house. The, the pest house is defined as an irritant. To holy beings, this world is an irritant. It's like a, it's like a sticker in your skin and you want to pull it out. That means destroy it. Okay? It's called an irritant or a pain in the neck. That's what a pest house is. That's what this earth is to God. An irritant or a pain in his neck. The governments legislate sin, making it law. When churches allow practicing homosexuals to be ordained as bishops, representing God as a practicing homosexual, those men dare to get up on what they think is a holy day and stand before God's people and represent him by voicing what they believe is coming from his word and saying, folks, you need to know this. God said it should be, and here it comes, 
Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't care what sins they're steeped in. Love them. This is truth, folks. Of course it is. Love them as they are. I'm afraid if I love them, I'll reprove them. Because I want them saved for eternity. If I love them in their sin, they're going to perish. That's not love. So there's two kinds of love going on here. There's the hate crime that says, leave them in their sins and, and encourage them. The law says so. We're encouraging them. We're giving them rights to be sinful and die. And over here on the other hand is love, where you would give your own life to help them. That's love. So here's the battleground. Now, when governments legislate sin, making it law, when churches allow practicing homosexuals to be ordained as bishops, representing God as a practicing homosexual, this brings sin to the footstool of God, topping off the cup of inequity. We all know that sin is only allowed so long. Whether it's individual sin or whether it's cities or counties or states or governments or a planet, Sin will be paid for. God says in Deuteronomy 11, 26 to 28, If you obey my commandments, I'll bless you. If you disobey, I'll curse you. Not because I don't like you, but because I love you and I'm a perfect judge and they're all watching. And it's going to be done right. Because the good angels deserve it. They've invested in me. Okay, so all this being said now, I want to go back and finish this thing about abortion and homosexuals. Are you ready? You need to know this. This is a principle. It's a simple one. <sighs> a lot of people are afraid to discuss those kinds of issues because it's dangerous. But it's not dangerous if you know a thus saith the Lord. And do keep it simple. And don't ever say, I think this or I say this. Don't do that because you're going to get kicked. You say, the Lord said, or God's word says, and then quote him. And then when they come at you and say, you're wrong, you can say, wait a minute, I didn't say it. God said it. Your argument's with him. I'm just the conveyor belt. That's all. See, So be a little careful how you deal with that. Now, how do we deal with homosexual people that we love? Family, friends, ourself? How do we deal with it? It's very simple. Here it is. Are you ready? Okay. Um, I'm a thief. I like to steal. I'm a liar. I like to lie. I am an adulterer. I like to go over here and commit adultery. Is this sin? Okay. Homosexuality and abortion, is that sin? Yes, the Bible makes it very clear. Okay, so they all fall in the same bucket. Now watch what we do. God says, thou shalt not. He's a big bad guy. Well, I'm going to undo that. And I'm going to say, guess what? If I was your father and you were my children, I would say this. If you continue to steal from the stores, sooner or later your cup of inequity will fill up and God says your sins will find you out and he will have to allow Satan to take charge of you and you will receive your just reward, which is not blessing for sin. It can't be. It has to be a curse. So you're going to go to jail. 
I made you out of dust. I gave you consciousness. I made you in my image, holy and sinless, and I love you forever. I want you to be with me forever, and you're going to end up in jail. And there are things that go on in jail that I don't want you to experience. And so please, thou shalt not steal. He's saying, please, don't hurt yourself. I love you. I don't want you hurt. That's what thou shalt not means. He said it in those terms because he wants you to know it's immovable. Okay, now, if this person says, I have decided through the word of God and people loving me, what have you, that I'm not going to sin anymore. I'm not going to steal anymore. I'm not going to steal. And I'm not going to go to jail. That's pretty cool. Now, I'm standing over here, a thief, who still likes things for free, right? Oh, I wish I could have that. I could stick that in my pocket in a second. I was good at that. Oh, Lord, you died for me. I'm going to live your way. I'm going to trust you. You're going to bless me. You said you would in... Uh, uh, Matthew uh, 6.33, he says, if you obey my commandments, I'll bless you. He says, um, he says uh, what, is, what does Matthew 6.33 say? If you seek first the kingdom of God as your highest priority, go to church, say your prayer, study the Bible, pay your tithe, and seek two things, and seek his righteousness, don't steal. Guess what? All these other things will be added unto you, and I'm promising it, and it's all, and it's for you, and I cannot lie. It's guaranteed. Your future is guaranteed to be full of blessing if you'll just get with the Lord. Now, knowing that helps me to not want to stick that in my pocket because God's got it all and he's promised it. <laughs> patience, that's the big one. Okay, I need patience. Now, that being said, watch this. I am a thief who is good at stealing, who wants things I don't have, who could easily take it, but I have chosen not to participate in my sin. Please apply that principle to homosexuality and to abortion. If I have homosexual tendencies, all I have to do is say, I'm going to make a new, I'm going to change. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to put God to the test. I'm going to stop my sin. I may still be a thief over here, but I'm not participating in it because it matters in my relationship with God. Therefore, I don't care if you're a homosexual or if you're not a homosexual. What I care about is if you're saved. What I care about is when Satan tempts you and calls you that you say, wait a minute, this is my life. You come to steal, kill, and destroy, and I'm not going there. I'm just going to say no. I'm walking away from it. I'm going to do without. I'm going to quit eating Twinkies. Okay? It's just a principle, folks. And the same thing with abortion. Abortion is, this is a tough one, bear with me. You remember when God said, um, I knew you before you were in the womb? Okay. We know there's an egg and we know there's sperm, right? Did you know that in each one of those is some DNA? Correct? Who designed the DNA? God. All right. Here comes a rapist. And he rapes this woman. It's a terrible, law-breaking sin. Devastating. But in that event, God is still able to be God. He says, well, if this is going to happen, unfortunately, for a season I have to let it happen, then I'm cutting it off. But while this is having to happen one more time, I decide which of the billions of DNA transporters and which egg will come together because I know you before you come together. 
And I want you to be this one. And I know what your talents will be. And when you're born, if you will do your own thing, good luck. But if you will follow my will, I will bring you into the place I prepared for you because I know your talents better than you do because I knew you before you came together. That child should be allowed to live. Okay? That was God's creation, regardless of all the other sad things involved in that. But with that principle in mind, these are the reasons that are not being discussed in the news. When government legislates sin, it brings it to the footstool of God, topping off the cup of inequity, which is followed by judgment. Matthew 5.34 says, But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Now we're going to wrap up here, and I want to read Revelation 16.1. This is uh, the beginning of the plagues. We're not going to go through the plagues. I'm just going to give a couple of examples real quickly. It begins with noisome and grievous sores upon men's bodies. This could be a number of things. I don't know if you know this, but back east, um, one of the bays back there where all the government lives, they are catching fish, and the fish have little sores on them, noisome and grievous sores on the fish. These fishermen who handle those fish lose their memory and many times can't find their way home. And so they're studying this thing. It could grow. It could spread. I don't know that that's a... Uh, a spoke at the wheel? I don't think it is, to be honest with you. Um, but let's try another one. We know that chlorofluorocarbons in your air conditioners dissolve the ozone layer. We know that boron in gasoline does 50 times worse and is not being talked about because it's a moneymaker. 50 times worse than chlorocarbons, fluorocarbons. Anyway, that ozone layer is definitely being thinned. And that allows the ultraviolet light to come in and cause skin cancer. Is skin cancer noisy, noisome, stinky? Is, is, if you let it go, it will be. Um, and sore, does it hurt? Uh, I don't know. I haven't had it yet. But the bottom line is that could be a plague in its infancy. If it continues to grow, it becomes a plague. Here's another example, the sea. And the sea became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Thus, the... The, the sea became as the blood of a dead man. Watch this carefully. Everybody thinks the ocean is going to be red. And that's, a bit, and that's it. You know, I mean, we'll know because it's going to be red. What did God say? He said, as the blood of a dead man. What is the blood of a dead man like? Here's a living man. Here's a dead man. What's the difference in this blood? No oxygen. What happens to the blood of a living man when he dies and the blood coagulates, which is different in context, you know, and, and the color. What happens to the color? It turns blue or black. It turns dark because oxygen is absent. So now, if a dead man's blood is different because there's no oxygen in the blood, then the ocean will become without oxygen. Is that happening? Let's check. We're supposed to be watching. All right? Affluents come down the river into the Gulf of Mexico. Affluents are pig manure, cow manure. It is nitrates from the farmland, uh, you know, the, the fertilizers, what have you. All this comes down into the Gulf of Mexico. We have a dead zone. Why? Because the fish are dead. 
and sick and dying. What is happening? They die and wash up on the beaches because, watch this now, that fertilizer fertilizes the algae known as red tide, but it comes in red, blue, brown, tan, whatever you want. Okay, But those algae flourish because of the uh, nutrients. Now, when that algae or red tide dies, its, its, its decomposition takes oxygen out of the water. And it's oxygenless, and the fish suffocate and wash up on the beaches. That is as a dead man's blood. This is happening all over the world. Every country that's got a border on the ocean is having this problem. If you Google it, you will see it everywhere. Is this a plague in its infancy that will expand into? So these are the things I just wanted to share a little bit with you. Then the rivers and the fountains of water become blood. So it's not real specific on what this blood is, but it was already that way in the previous one, so you know. So... The fact is, if there's no oxygen in the water in the ocean, it's because of what came down the river. Obviously, the river is going to be low on oxygen, too, and that algae can go up the river. This stuff can get even into your, into your wells or fountains, possibly. I don't know. I don't know. You help me watch. And now we'll wrap up with this. We're told, And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. We just talked about four decades of increasing temperatures. We're talking about bigger hailstones. We're talking about an ocean that is rising, not just because things are melting and going into it, but water expands when it gets hot, and the islands are fleeing away. The Maldives, have you heard anything about the Maldives? They're in the news. They're panicking because their islands are only three and four feet above sea level and much of their coastlines are gone. They're, they're ready to move. They're packing up to get out of there. They, they want to know where do we go. It's all in the news, but it's kind of quiet. So while these things are happening, consider this. The islands will flee away. North Pole, South Pole melting. I don't know if you know that there's, they've taken tourist ships up to the North Pole now. They can get through. There's no ice. Um, Russia is saving all kinds of money shipping oil to Japan because they can go over the North Pole now. I don't know if you know all this stuff, but consider this. A gallon of water weighs a little over eight pounds. The oceans have already risen nine to 15 inches, varies because of currents. 9 to 15 inches. Let's just say it's 9 inches. A gallon of water is about 9 inches high. 8 point something pounds per gallon. 8.3, I think. Okay, so you take that 9 inches that those oceans have increased. Take all the oceans on this planet. That's a lot of space. Raise it 9 inches. Count the gallons. Multiply it by 8.3. And let me tell you this. The oceans have gained trillions, not pounds, trillions of tons of weight is being redistributed from every glacier. Montana, Glacier National Park, had 130-ish um, glaciers. Now I think it's down to a dozen. Where'd the water go? It's right here. You can go see it. They have a little sign up the trail. Back in the 40s, the glacier was here. Back in the 50s, it was here. 60s, it was here. Now it's way up there. This is happening on Mount Kilimanjaro. It's happening all in the Andes, in the Himalayas. It's happening, folks. Now, you put all that weight on the crust of the earth in new places, 
This is an egg that we stand on with a cracked shell called fault zones. Do you know what lies under that cracked shell? Magma. God said he would destroy the world with water. And it came from the sky and from the fountains of the deep as the earth broke up, the water jetted forth. Water from both directions. Rainbow, never again to do this. Next time it'll be by fire. Thus saith the Lord, quote, Fire will come from heaven and from the breaking up of the deep. Is the melting of the ice and trillions of tons of relocated weight on fractured crust going to help that magma come forth? The reason I think it might be is because we're involved in that. This is not God doing this. This is not even nature doing this. This is man doing it. And as we sum up, watch what happens here. This is where it gets, where the finger points at us. Revelation 18 or 11:18 says, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto your servants, the prophets, and to the saints. Thank God the prophets will finally get their reward, the saints will finally get their reward, and them that fear thy name will finally get their reward, small and great. And it is also the time that thou shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. Destroy them, meaning humans, that destroy the earth. The earth will be destroyed by humans. And that's why they are destroyed, partly. Okay, so, well, there's so much more I can share. But we're in the process of that because of the increase in knowledge and the wrong ways that we're using it. And I really am summing this up now. Luke 21, 8, 28 says, And when these things begin to come to pass, that's my question. If we're watching together and can share about the clunkers and all that stuff, we need to share one mind, one accord. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. This is not a bad time. This is a time when, you're, when your loved ones are going to come to you and say, What in the world is happening? Uncle Sam can't throw enough money at a fractured crust to fix it. Uncle Sam can't pass a law to fix the ozone. This is where God's munitions, rain, hail, sleet, snow. He defeated Napoleon with snow. This is the way God worked in the past. We're living in that time again. For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's your answer. Stay close to Jesus. It is through him that we have eternal life no matter what happens around us and that's the message we're ready to give to our loved ones when they come running and saying how are we going to fix this ah it's already been fixed join up be a member of the new earth be a loyal subject to the king of kings join up it's going to be a wonderful opportunity now jesus had no sin so he didn't have to die and it's because of that that through him we have salvation, restoration, and God's plan will continue. Now, John fifteen thirteen says, No greater love, no greater love than giving your life. And when he asks us to quit stealing, quit lying, quit having abortions, whatever it is, it's giving up something in turn. That's all it is. It's a relationship. You know, we love each other. It's being restored. 
We return love through loyalty. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is not a restriction. Commandments are not a restriction. They are a blessing of safety. If I don't commit adultery, I won't die of AIDS or venereal diseases because God promised it. If I don't steal, I don't end up in jail. Okay? John 8:51 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never see death. Isn't that beautiful? That's what you can offer your loved ones when they come running and wondering, what's, what's, what are we supposed to do? Revelation 22:14 says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter in through the gates into the city. That's your message for your loved ones when they come running. They need hope. They need something positive. So do we. Let's remind each other. Yeah, you're going to have to give up this and give up that, and you're going to go through these things, and it's not going to be sweet. It's going to be rough. But you know what? We have the right to the tree of life, and we can enter in through the gates into that city. It's worth it. And the Bible ends with these words, and so will I. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with you all. Amen. Why did he say that? After all that was shared in that book, the most important finale is this. The grace of our Lord be with you all. Grace be with you all. Grace is defined in the dictionary as mercy and pardon for your past sins through the death of Christ in our place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That is grace. And that's what Satan has all churches teaching. But Satan is preventing the teaching of the remainder of that definition, which is grace is supernatural power to stop sinning, the future. Grace is divine assistance to be sanctified. Power from God through love of Jesus, the cross, to say no more. I love him. I'll live for him. That power comes from him into us, and we are an example to the world, the light in the darkness, a voice in the wilderness, in the last moments of time. And when he returns, there will be a number made up called the 144,000. It doesn't matter if it's literal or figurative, but the Bible Research Institute studied it and came up with the answer that they believe it is figurative, because the whole chapter is figurative. Okay, forget that now. I just, I just added that. But anyway, the fact is that grace is the return of a relationship with Jesus. And it brings him the glory. The 144,000 will no longer be sinning by their own choice. And they will be raptured without seeing death because they're not sinning. And that shows Satan and all the unfallen worlds that God's creation was a good thing, a workable thing. And we're going to prove it. We have the opportunity to bring glory to God by choice. So folks, let's just thank the Lord and end with prayer. Father in heaven, your word is marvelous and wonderful and accurate and enlightening. We thank you that we have this day that we can set aside to understand, to grow, to strengthen, to be infilled by your Holy Spirit, and to live the life that you're calling us to live.
simply what you created us to be, the image of Christ. Please help us now to do better. And come soon, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.